Ahoy hoy, my name is Tex McQuilkin and you're listening to another episode of Oak Performance Radio. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oak Performance Radio. I'm your host, Adam Lane. If you're new to the show, our goal here is to create some content, some fantastic content for athletes, parents, and coaches. We tell stories, have laughs, and we go into everything that is the end game of athletic performance, helping athletes achieve their optimal performance and be the best that they can possibly be. As always, check us out on the social at Oak Performance and online at oakstrength.com backslash oakperformance. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Oak Performance Radio. I'm your host, Adam Lane. With me today, from the Great South, Mr. Tex McQuilkin, a power athlete. Tex, thanks for taking the time. Oh, man, happy happy to be here, dude. You texted me this morning. I'm yeah. like, let's knock it up. You turned it around quickly. I was not, I'm wide open. Today, Friday, next week, and you're like, this second. Let's do it. Oh, I mean, fun topics on deck. Can't help but sit down and we could just call each other and talk about this stuff. Yes. Might as well press record. Absolutely. Absolutely. So text for the, the, the tens of people that listen to the show. Tell, tell them who you are and, and why, you're, why you're such a big deal. The, I wouldn't say I'm a big deal. The, I'm the director of education, director of training for Power Athlete, worldwide strength conditioning organization aiming to empower your performance. And that could be you as an athlete, if you're training in your garage gym, providing some training arranged from different goals, like being lean or getting jacked or staying athletic with our field strong. And that's directly to the athlete. But where I spend most of my, my time and effort is developing the coach with our Power Athlete Academy. And Adam, that's where we were able to, to connect yep. And really work together to develop a relationship to empower then your athlete's performance specific to whatever you need. And my experience of coached at high school, private high school in Washington, D.C., college, Georgetown University, University of Texas, done apprenticeships with some world class coaches all over the, the country and personally traveled to teach over 100 seminars, six continents, 16 countries. So been around the block you get around times. text and currently just enjoying some small town living with power athletes i'm outside of austin and giving back to my community coaching some middle school lacrosse and aiming to introduce the barbell to the community <laughs> which is topical for some of the things for our discussion today so yep. whether they're a professional athlete all the way down to some th 13 year old wiener kid <laughs> i put them in a position to empower their performance yeah very cool. Do you mind? I don't. I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but your 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 story about when you first started coaching college, mm -hmm. you had just finished uh, lacrosse. Now you're you're coaching these lacrosse guys. You, you had a shortcoming, um, uh, mishap, if you will. And it's funny because I, I think I've been motivated in my life not by all the you know good things that have gone my way, but all the all the adversity that like gosh, it just runs in my head and you know, I, I can't get out of my mind. And that's, that's my motivation to keep driving forward as a coach. Do you want, do you want to tell that story? Sure. My, I was a grad assistant coach. I got the opportunity to exchange education for assisting coaching my, my former division three lacrosse team. I took on the responsibilities as a strength and performance coach, which my school had never seen. We had a fitness center, not a weight room. And I had not, I was recruiting kids for our team that had been playing lacrosse longer than I. So they had an intuition <laughs> of the game and I felt a, a shortcoming, like the imposter syndrome 
101 with me as a coach because these parents were asking me questions and I was just making shit up to try to convince this kid to come join our team. And where I decided I'd be able to make the most impact for my crew was going to be on the strength and conditioning side, lifting weights, running fast. These are things that I just did as a member of the team. And if anyone wanted to join me, awesome. If not, I didn't expect anything of it anyway, because many of the kids couldn't bench press 185 pounds, but they could play ball. Yeah. Didn't have to. I, as a limited skill individual, needed that weight room to at least stand a chance on the field. The first session, this is September 2009, the first session I took over training for the team. We didn't have a weight room, as I mentioned earlier. We needed upper body strength. I asked the crew to kick up into a handstand. And I played for the team. These were my former teammates. They were still my friends. But now they were my athletes. Once they kicked up into the handstand, I was yelling and trying to, to hoot and holler and be, you know, be the hard ass <laughs> Texas high school football coach that I had yelling at me training. But then one kid goes down and I run up to him and I try to MF him right in his face. <laughs> but it turned out the kid like he couldn't he couldn't lift up his arm anymore. Kicking up into that handstand had tore his rotator cuff. And I put him in that position. I took his away his senior year, his last opportunity to play a sport that he loved because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. I had the the passion, the push, the cheerleading, the rah-rah. But at the same time, even something as simple as putting my athletes in a position to succeed and not hurting them, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I needed to find someone who does. I needed a coach. Coach needs a coach. I needed a mentor. I got on the internet September 2009 and found John Wellborn, the, the founder and CEO of Power Athlete, who was leading at the time a strength and conditioning clinic called CrossFit Football. And uh, it just started in March of 2009. The next session I'd be able to attend was December 2009 in Oakland, California. I was living Arlington, Virginia, East Coast. I was in grad school, had no money, spent my last dollar to fly out and spend two days with John and eventually my apprentice, like my a mentor, I'll just sum it up as that, Rafael Ruiz, and was took two days worth of strength and conditioning information. This was my first exposure to true strength and conditioning coaching, not just following programs that I was asking for <laughs> from my UT football buddies. Hey, what are you doing? I'll, I'll just follow that. <laughs> no, it was actually set up execution. Here's where you're limiting. All right, here's how we're going to write into your program to turn those limitations into strengths so they are expressed and transferred to the field. Took that, and I had three years with my my grad assistant plus one year as just a, a regular hired coach to learn how to coach. Fortunately, I broke a lot of eggs with these Division three athletes to learn how to communicate, set up execution, sum it all up so a kid can understand. And with limited equipment, 40 dudes and one me. Set up execution, programming, all this good stuff, how to sum it up of, oh, I want to do this. We don't have that. And man, these were division three athletes. They weren't that good. Like we had a good time. I love those guys. But at the same time, if they got hurt, or like I made a mistake within my written program or execution or teaching them, 
Hey, we live, live another day. Yeah. Like they they are paying to play the sports division three, which then after three years with the team, I decided I was a hell of a lot better strength coach than a lacrosse coach. <laughs> I still feel that way <laughs> that I stepped up and the, to, to a challenge and was a assistant at Georgetown university. And that was when I essentially turned pro as a coach to take on the responsibility. But when you start at the college level, they never give you the teams you want, right? Football, <laughs> all that good stuff. And this is another great learning experience. I was handed the, the crew team. So the women's crew mm-hmm. team, men's crew team at Georgetown. And fortunately I was able to assist with men's and women's lacrosse and get training that I enjoyed the field court and be on the sidelines for those games. Yeah. But the, the crew team, now I took unathletic kids. I had these tools for developing athleticism for my seminar way back when, and I was able to see how exposing non-athletic kids because rowing crew is the same repetitive yeah. cyclical motion over and over and over again, and aim to get increase their ability to do that through exposing them to athletic style of training. And that, that coincides when I started with Georgetown, I was actually picked up by the CrossFit football seminar staff at the time, John and Luke and Ben Oliver, they were looking for two new coaches all over the country. And the, the famous voice, Callie Hinsman and I, mm-hmm. we were training partners in Washington, DC, and they, they took on both of us as those two people and the rest is history. But I was able to have four solid years of learning how to coach. And finally, this opportunity with the, the crew team at Georgetown really had really expressed because they, those girls were on scholarship. Their yeah. performance mattered. I could not hurt them in the weight room. I had to learn to communicate with their sport coach who was in the mindset of, I need more conditioning. I need more yoga. I need more <laughs> stretching. Mobility was just under... Uh, just, you know, blowing up mobility wad way back when. So she wanted all this different stuff. And I was sticking to my guns of posture, trunk work, athleticism, movement through space. Hey, we're going to lunge. We're going to squat. We're going to get these girls to skip and learn how to sprint. It's going to carry over. And man, that's, that's a whole different discussion. I wrote some blogs on sport coach, connecting with your sport coach. And uh, the biggest takeaway put them in the training. They're able to see and feel their limitations within different challenges, whether it's mental or physical that you're presenting to the team. And then they say, see the value of how quickly they're, they're able to f- improve in their, their feel, their movement, their pain-free movement, and then their, their fortitude. Because it's a, a lot of seemingly simple <laughs> things like pillars and planks but how we would coach and set them up is different and how it connects to their sport. Again, I had to aim to then understand the movement within the sport to then bring to the weight room, but awesome learning experiences to begin the coaching career. And, you know, a lot of coaches don't get that opportunity within uh, the final note on this, but the, the sport coach and the field, where I go back to lacrosse, I was coaching field practice and then training sessions. So how I was able to learn to communicate 
with the athlete was, hey, remember how we taught you to set up in your your defensive position? Well, that's what I need for your squat. Yeah. Or remember this from the field. We'll bring it into the weight room or vice versa. And connecting training to the, the field, connecting the field to training, not just in how we set up, but how we communicate with those athletes. Yeah. So. And then so, buy, buying is so much better than when you're actually talking, you know, especially for kids that don't want to lift. When you tell them, hey, I need your feet just like they are on the, on the volleyball court or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, oh, okay. Now that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And it's, and that, that's, that's it. And how you can also coach them was, hey, teach me this. Yeah. For connecting to the, the, the female crew team, can you teach me how to do the ERG properly? I'm a 5'7 a <laughs> short person. You are much taller than I, how are you being coached? What are you thinking and feeling during this? So if I'm working with that volleyball player, Hey, can you teach me how to set? What are your coaches saying and seeing what's your footwork on your, your takeoff for your serve, you know, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So having those athletes teach you different setups, then you see what kind of language they're using during that. And then you take that into your coaching and teaching of, squat, step, lunge, bench, and all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's been, it's been nice just in the facility that we're set up with. Um, literally you, you walk out the gate and you hit the, you know, volleyball, basketball courts, and then, you know, there's some club baseball and stuff like that. And to have so much access just to be able to, you know, to go watch some, you know, one-on-one, you know, volleyball trainings and stuff like that, or, or complete club practice or baseball, this or basketball, this, like to, to actually, you know, to hear what the coach is saying and thinking, because you're right. Every coach wants, thinks everybody needs to be more flexible. So, Hey, we more need more yoga and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, when, when you start speaking their language and you, and you get on the same page that way, plus the kids just like you being there, like, Oh, okay. You, you know, you, you really care. Um, it's a surprising text at, at five, seven, that you didn't go D one in, in crew because man, oh God, that is, well, I was also, I forget what it is. There's a little person in the back of the boat that's like keeping the cadence and steering. Uh, I, but again, I'm too dense for that. I'm a, a five, seven, 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're probably a solid 135 back there. That's kind of- oh, yeah. I mean, they, they were worried. That was interesting because in the, the D1 crew, I didn't know this, but they're split into different classes. One is a weight, a weight class. Oh. So they're actually lighter. And then you have a like a heavyweight division that's just, oh, we're gonna put on we're gonna put our strongest beasts in this boat and we're just gonna overpower. Huh. So I like those because you then you it sets you free a little bit. Then the others it is they have to make keep a specific weight. Wow. So you find the lightest, littlest people that are also expressing the most power. Yeah. In there. So then that, that, that led to different, uh, discoveries in terms of creating power without putting on the muscle mass. Uh, but that understanding was set free when I went to train with Rafael Ruiz. I mentioned he was led the cross football seminar with John in December, 20, 2009 in February, 2014, I said, screw this college game reached, reached a, a ceiling within my progress professionally in that career and just went to understand and Raf's facility at the time was in a, a club volleyball facility. Oh. So it had a corner. Yep. He had a nice, nice uh, blue 
soft turf, not like the, the field beautiful <laughs> turf that you have, but like a soft gymnast turf mm -hmm. to sprint on oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, maybe 1200 uh, 1200 to 2000 square feet of weight room yeah. facility, but volleyball practice would go on. We take on those athletes in the, in uh, the afternoons. So we get to see them coached practiced. Then the set grades had scheduled times in the afternoon with us in the morning. It was Ruiz's athletes to use the whole facility as our sprint indoor plus the, the weight room stuff. So in real time, you get to train these for the volleyball girls. We get to train these girls in the weight room and then set them free at practice yeah. or get them when they're super fatigued from their training practice. And we need to do this or that a little bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then learning to connect to the, the 14 year old female athlete, <laughs> hands down in my professional experience, the most difficult population. <laughs> to their yeah. words, they're sent, they're telling me how hard life is. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got it. I, you know, when you're in eighth grade and you know, it's, it's, it's a tough world these days. That <laughs> I, I, yeah, I believe them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt that at all at that, that time. Oh man. So, but, uh, you know, they raft the, a lot of those girls, as I recall, went on to D1 scholarships, UNC, I know it was one and it was in Tampa Bay. So University of Tampa volleyball is a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the girls stayed local. Oh. So that was a, a successful club. And, you know, biasly, I would say it had something to do with the, the strength training coach mm -hmm. in house, but Hey, yeah, no sport coach would claim that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if we keep rolling with this, so, um, I think it's so interesting these days. It's the, the, the whole development of a youth athlete, uh, Texas so much different than when, when we were kids and stuff. Um, growing up, we, you know, we went from football season to basketball season to baseball season mm -hmm. to, to, or maybe wrestling in there. To, 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 and, and we always had seasons, you know, it's two to three months. You, you get in your work, you take a break, you do a different sport. You take a break, you do a different sport. Um, always playing a, you know, plethora of different things, you know, da, 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 da. um, club wasn't such a big thing as, as it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, and now there's literally club for everything. So, I mean, you can play anything year round. You can lacrosse, volleyball, baseball, softball, basketball. I mean, you could just, if you're, what, in your, in your world, in your perfect ideal world, what, if you want to take a kid from the age of five and plan out <laughs> their activity, their strength, their conditioning, their, their sporty, you know, in which for them to excel in X sport by the time they're 18, what, what does that look like in Texas perfect world? Think I want to fast, fast answer is think from the ground up because we have our soccer and gymnastics where it's going to be primarily the footwork. Gymnastics is footwork into different orientations and body through space where gymnastics would complement swimming, almost pairing those two up, not pairing, but finding different seasons to do these because it's both different orientations in space, mm -hmm. but then maybe complement swimming with soccer because we still get the, the footwork and the field awareness that could then be exaggerated with my different orientations within the pool. Gymnastics, I need a skill sport as well though. So think, think baseball, think basketball, dribbling, 
mm-hmm. even lacrosse. The earlier you can start them with lacrosse, hell, I'm in, yeah. obviously. But <laughs> at the same time, think about the hand eye I'm catching. And then I know we're not on video, but yeah. imagine I'm catching uh, a baseball or hitting a baseball or catching a lacrosse ball away from my body. I'm not keeping my eye on the ball. That 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 is poor coaching in lacrosse because I need to keep my, my eyes up field and it's just assumed that I'm going to catch it and then redirect that pass versus looking the ball into my stick. Okay. It's there. And then looking it through, I don't know who I'm passing to. Mm -hmm. So I need to separate and have this, this object away from me. Like I'm dribbling a basketball. I'm not going to look at the ball. I'm dribbling in soccer. Eventually I'm going to not look at the ball (laughs) I want to get my eyes up field and progress there. Again, those skills can be developed. So it would be with those field sports and eventually lead into a contact inoculation. This is primarily for boys, but I'm not mad at any intense physical female soccer or lacrosse athletes Mm -hmm. that don't shy away from contact, but a stress inoculation with contact. So by the time they're in the middle school or the high school, they don't get tense. They don't shy away. It's just a gradual increase of intensity based off that. So limit. I'm not saying like hammer in the youth football. You probably don't need to start playing football until you're in middle or at least high school. But at the same time, find a contact sport where you are used to protecting yourself. I don't know enough about the, the martial arts. People are very into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. My experience is 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 none. Okay. So I don't know how that would play into an option. I need to expose myself to that stuff. John's got a good pal out here in Todd White that just opened a facility in, in my hometown, Dripping Springs. Yeah. Worth worth a checkout yeah. for me. You know, get my butt kicked as a, a 35-year-old man. <laughs> say, okay, I don't want this experience for my kids or my athletes. Go push them to learn a thing or two about the the ground game or wrestling and all that good stuff. I didn't I didn't wrestle growing up, so maybe wrestling is that equal different orientation and the combination of comfortable with contact that would connect gymnastics, swimming. Maybe the advancement is wrestling as that missing piece to avoid you know constant direct hits to the head yeah. like football. So maybe wrestling at the you know, the fifth to eighth grade age. And if they like it, continue to pursue it in high school. At this stage, I would say only do everything until they find something that they are so passionate about where you got to pull them off the the basketball court or out of the pool, so on and so forth to then go eat dinner and just be a normal kid. Yeah. But expose them to everything until then. Uh, But footwork and then orientation and comfortable with contact and until they find their love within physical activity. Even if that's just a love for training and lifting weights, we want them to take that into their whole life and have a a movement based life. Yeah. I'm amazed at how many, um, again, with the, the volleyball group that we, that we coach, um, the, the volleyball kids who are also basketball athletes or um, the guys who the guys volleyball who are also football players and whatnot they, they just play so much more of a a physical game um, 
again, our, our girls who are basketball players who are used to, you know, going down. I mean, many are tall, you know, so they, they play some posts. They go down in the, you know, the low block and bang a little bit. Um, they, they, they don't mind, you know, diving on the ground, getting balls. Um, not, not saying the kids that don't, you know, play whatever sports, don't, don't do that. You just see it as more of a theme um, throughout with those, you know, th- those kids who have who've played those other sports. They're, they're, they're two or three sport athletes. And, yeah, they're you know. comfortable in their body with contact or falling or, yeah, diving after the loose ball or in volleyball, freaking putting their whole body on the line to keep the ball off the ground. Yeah. I'm amazed with how I don't I, – I didn't watch a whole lot of volleyball until these these last few years um, outside of high school. So I went like a 15-year span, 20-year span. Um, I'm amazed with how much of a power sport it is. Like it is oh, – yeah. they've changed the rules and with the uh, – instead of the um, whatever, side outs, the rally scoring, and it, it moves and it's it's explosive and it's it's so much fun to watch. Um, anyway, where I'm going with this, but yeah, it's no, – yeah. I'm, I'm certainly a fan of the sport. I got to, into it in high school, and high school for me is when they transitioned to the rally points. Oh, okay. So I remember going to a match, and it's like, okay, bored. Yeah. And then they were the rally points. And then in college, it's in Division three sports, I highly recommend it for any athlete that's on the fence because you there's a community and a team in a yeah. sense with the athletics department so we would go and support the volleyball team during the fall. We didn't have a football team. So we would fall, it would support volleyball. Spring, we would support men and women's basketball. And it helped that our school was pretty darn good at all three of those sports. And then spring was our time. And, you know, you get behind the volleyball girls. I still got one of my good friends, um, Coach, Coach Joe on Instagram, Johanna Zabel. She is a professor at George Washington University, still within the strength and conditioning realm, which is interesting because our school didn't have that as formal education, but both of us found our way into a similar career based off our passion and our love for for training for sport. But uh, needless to say, man, awesome time, awesome experience. And then the, the connecting to the weight room and seeing a direct correlation to okay, my power, I can jump higher. It's, it's almost immediate when that coordination syncs up from the, the cleans and the lifts that you prescribe the opportunities within the weight room to the field or the court for respect to volleyball. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What, um, so if you, if you take them now, kid hits high school, mm-hmm. um, they might start to narrow down in a sport. Maybe they don't e- e- either way. Um, they probably start to do some type of strength conditioning, something, something. How does how does one balance the the strength piece, the conditioning, the weight room stuff, with the with the on the field, on the court, in the pool, on the track stuff? Ideally, there is an off season which you can dedicate to barbell and specific power and speed work, where we can do enough volume in the training experience that they can recover from. It's almost like a full on practice, but only strength, power, speed, weight room stuff versus a complement. Imagine we're in season, you should still lift in season, but you coach Adam don't want to take away from your athletes performance on the court in the field or definitely not the games. Yeah. So we (laughs) still need to, to lift as a restorative measure to maintain to the best of our abilities through the, what we've established in a formal off season throughout the season. That way, when you get them in their next off season, they have a, a starting point that's 
very close to their ending point the previous summer. It probably won't be there, yeah. but <laughs> it's as close there. And then if we imagine over a four-year development of an individual, if we're peaking during the summer and then aiming to maintain but still going down a little bit in the season, this is a, a gradual progression and growth as an individual over four years. If they go from fall volleyball into winter basketball, then hopefully spring is going to be that off season. I imagine they're traveling for the summer and we just need at some point, almost a dedicated barbell season to really put ourselves in a position to develop the fundamental strength, power, and speed. And mainly I would argue for the high school athlete, the confidence in the body take on that contact to make the dives and then learn how to take care of yourself. If you're traveling, doing tournaments, we're talking one, two, three matches a day, two days, three days in a row. Okay. Well, coach Adam can't be there, but he gave us a note that said, all right, we're going to do dead bugs, Spider-Man's seesaw walks, all this before our game. And then our cool down stretches that coach Adam showed us, we're going to do this after to put us in the best position to recover for our next game. So it's that time, one, develop confidence, two, for them to develop the skill of warming up, the skill of preparation, the skill of recovery. That's that's how I I would argue or that a time investment. Otherwise, you're just doing enough to have them uh, maintain. You're doing enough to just keep them normal throughout the whole entire year which if we look at it over four years doing that year round, doesn't put them in a position to develop physically. Skills are going to be on point. However, does their body begin now to deteriorate once they secured said scholarship to UNC? Yeah. Yeah, they got the look. They got the skill, but their shoulder is trash. And I'm saying this from experience. One of the Ruiz girls that got the, the UNC scholarship she didn't finish out her career because her shoulder due to injury, Yeah, not burnout or fatigue, mentally injury. Yeah. We have a, um, a kid that has dropped in a few times to, uh, to, to train with us. He, he lives a, a solid distance away. So I, I don't completely fault the parents with all the convenience piece of it, but um, he had Tommy John surgery yesterday at the age of 15. Because of a tear or to get ahead and strengthen, I'm using air quotes, for our listeners, the tendon tear. Okay. Yeah. That's better than the other one. Cause parents do, do, do that. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't. Uh, well at that, at that age, I would say pitch count period yeah. and co- uh, excuse me, parent, you need to have your own counter at the games and then you are in charge of that athlete's career until they're on the high school varsity team. I would say you are, you are in charge of maintaining that kid's career and protecting them from poor coaches. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter if that coach at that moment in time wins or loses, if you're ahead or the kid's pitching a no hitter at 15, take him out of the game. Doesn't matter. Think long-term he will forever remember Tommy John surgery and the amount of trauma now. And there is, even though it's a surgically rebuilt tendon, there's something in his head. I threw this hard, or I put forth this umph on that pitch, and I tore my 
I, I, I caused a rupture. Okay. Then he will think about that every single throw or when he's fatigued or he reached a hundred pitches. Yeah. Ah, crap. This is, this is about the time this happened. So even though uh, doctors and physical therapists may say, Oh no, it's, it's stronger. It came back. He, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> so I would yeah. say, keep your pitch count, keep them in, in trainable and control and, you know, find it, find a coach like Adam here to then put them in a position to strengthen and lengthen the tendons for said stress when they are in that position for high school varsity that could lead to scholarship or, you know, if they're a phenom straight to straight to the show. But I mean, you got to protect them up to that point. Yeah. And that includes investing in strength and conditioning, strength, performance coaching. And, you know, it, the club ball, it, it's starting to summer ball is starting to seep its way into the sport of lacrosse. So parents paying 3,500 bucks for two weekends that's bullshit <laughs> with the, this, the thought of, Hey, we're going to get recruiting and all that. I'll tell you what helps with recruiting, being a strong individual, hardworking and creating a reputation within your, your high school community that then goes and seeks those, those coaching yeah. opportunities, club ball. It's a, it's a money grab. And this is my, my rant of the day, <laughs> but it's a money grab that's ruining the, the organic invested high school sport with the guise of college recruiting. Yeah. There's now software companies in place in which say one of your, your local volleyball players records their or have their parents through their iPhone records their matches, their skills, or comes to practice or ask the, the sport coach to record practice and the serve over and over. Hey, check out this replication of, speed of my ability to execute my skill. Then we create an online profile. That's only the skill work or only my batting cage work or my controlled pitching, so on and so forth that then the recruiting companies will pass those around to coaches. And why I like that is I could, I, as an individual can say, Hey, I'm looking to be a petroleum engineer. Not me, not you and I, Adam, but <laughs> no. an example of a kid. Uh, okay, or I'm interested in criminal justice or computer science. Then based off what I want to do with my life outside of sport, it narrows down the select schools. Okay, I want to go to a small school. I want to go to a big school, so on and so forth. And it almost puts you in the best position like a freaking all these auto trader CarMax apps now that we're seeing, but for colleges, for my athletic experience and the power of the, the, the phone, the video and the parent having that hell, that'll be a hell of a lot cheaper than the club ball in taking that money and investing in sports performance. Like coach Adam here, that'll take you farther long-term than just paying some club ball for you to ride the bench. And some dude is taking your money to the bank. I, I think we've been blessed enough to the, the, the clubs that we've worked with because initially when we when we partnered with with VC United here, um, I, I was hesitant in the sense of I mean text everything you said there like I've seen more bad clubs than I have good clubs uh, of everything of, of of baseball of of volleyball of softball of basketball and just um, just a bunch of 
dads who are trying to relive their their high school successes, you know, you know, through their kids and their kids' friends and and stuff like that. And you play 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 and you play. And if, if somebody got hurt, it was like, oh shucks, bad luck, too bad for Charlie, you know, oh bummer. And never any true reflection on the way of, oh maybe we did overdo it. Maybe all these practices and then hours of travel and no sleep and poor nutrition and you know they they were doing this all over finals and etc ah, they, they didn't see any of that they just said no. oh bummer bad bad luck um because there, there are men kid yeah 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 the, yeah oh you know too bad for you um but it's the uh, the clubs that do it well I, i'm i'm very impressed with and that, that that's why I, I love the volleyball club that we work with because this is like we are a we're a mainstay within everything that we do like it, it goes without saying like you do vc united volleyball you do oak performance like it's 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 not even a well if you want to da, da, da. if you work out your at your high school i guess that's okay no that's not even an option it's like like this this is this is how this works um set up very much as a you know similar to a you know collegiate setup um mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 been a fantastic you know marriage on that side i just wish every club was like that and um i'm just yeah. amazed how again every it's Every sport is building out like that. Like my kids can do jujitsu year round. They can basically do wrestling year round. Um, football starts at kindergarten with like flag stuff, and they and they actually start contact um, helmets and shoulder play as at, at third grade. So my my nine year old, you know, could he's not this year, but you know, could go start football. Um, I don't think he, I don't think there's a need to. I don't think that they get anything from it. Um, and I'm amazed that so so many of these kids that that start at such a young age get burnt out. Um, not only from the, the physical part, but from the mental part, you know, they just they mm-hmm. lace up the same shoes, you know, every single day and da, 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 go to the same place and practice the same thing with the same people. And at some point it just gets, gets boring and dry and they get hurt and they, they plateau out uh, really due to what you're saying. A, a lot of that, the, the missing, you know, barbell strength, speed, power stuff that, that they're in, you know, that they're not getting and they plateau out. And then it's not fun when you're not getting better. You're just going through the motions and yeah, there you are. Yeah, and then not to say I'm I'm poo pooing on clubs because the an experience like you're providing to complement the huh. the skill development. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist for the sport of lacrosse at this moment in time. So if a club team were to say, "Hey, we also have you know said facility to pair up," oh, I'd be on board for that. But I know it doesn't happen, and I'm just familiar with the the money grab that is these club sports within the Austin experience only. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was living in Tampa, that's when I first noticed, cause I was at that volleyball club facility with RAF and then curious about the local lacrosse scene since university of Tampa is a, a private school, but they have very nice facility and lacrosse program division two. There's a pretty popular club lacrosse scene there. So people travel down to Florida and that is that was starting to take away from the growth and development of these kids uh, based off some of RAF's clients that were trained in lacrosse as well. And then I'm just seeing the same seeds now that it's hit Austin in my local community and I'm aiming to get the, I I don't think I mentioned this, but on air anyway, but coaching a middle school lacrosse myself and aiming to introduce the barbell with that community some of the parents are pulling away because their kids are doing too much this summer, meaning, oh, they're going to this camp, they're playing on this travel team, and they don't have time for the barbell when I would argue, all right, well, this is an opportunity for restorative so they don't get burnt out and they're able to make the most of the opportunities you're providing them 
and yeah and yeah and, and just to be clear, you're saying that yeah. they, they're, they're doing, going to lacrosse camp after lacrosse camp after lacrosse camp. They're not doing uh-huh. different sports. They're not doing basketball and soccer and da-da-da. It's, it's very no. lacrosse-focused. Okay, it's, gotcha. Yeah, for, for certain individuals that I'm speaking about now, very lacrosse-focused. But majority of my guys are football guys mm-hmm. that happen to play lacrosse, and that's who I was growing up. So we, they are interested in that barbell, and they're getting in there because they want to get ready for football mm-hmm. at that middle school level, which is fine. We'll teach them set up execution of the barbell lifts and absolutely it'll show up within their, their football training. Cause that's more where lacrosse volleyball, these are more skill-based football is a 100% grunt work. Yeah. Push, 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 unless you're a position or two. Yeah. But uh, for my guys who are offensive linemen, defensive linemen, that happen to play lacrosse and get a weapon. No, they're, they're going to see the weight room pay dividends for this hard work this summer that they're, they're already gearing up and excited to, to participate in. Yeah. So Tex, if you're a parent and you're, you know, you're listening to this and you're, you're connecting dots here in the way of, I just want my, you know, at the end of the day for me, I'm, you know, it's funny. I have a six year old, nine year old, both boys. And, um, I, I'm trying to be strategic with, with what we're doing and, and, you know, I don't want to burn them out. I don't want to be crazy with it. I just love it. Obviously I've dedicated my life and, and profession to it and whatnot, just mm-hmm. watching kids get better. Um, and, and, you know, again, trying not to be, be psycho with it, but what, when you're looking with, you know, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I want to, I want to have John on the, on the podcast and, and share stories. Cause I, I think oh, there's, yeah, his, his girls are, if I remember, I think three months older than, than my oldest. So, I mean, they're right, right. I think they're both all nine right now. Um, what do, what do parents need to look for in, in this type of like strength and conditioning piece for their kids? Cause there's so much stuff out there. Um, high schools in this area are, are getting better with their PE classes. Now like a, a, a strength PE class, um, usually taught by a PE teacher who likes to lift weights, uh, not actually any type of, you know, certified CSCS or anything like that. Um, but, but it's better than, better than nothing. Um, better than, right. I guess, just playing dodgeball. Um, there are lots of, I mean, the, the level of entry into, into this profession where, where we're at is, is really not much. I mean, you can get a warehouse space and, and you really kind of thank CrossFit for that. You can get a warehouse space and, you know, buy some stuff on rogue.com and, you know, get it delivered and boom, all of a sudden you're, you're a strength conditioning specialist. Um, so there's a lot of options out there for, for parents and, and whatnot. And, and it can be overwhelming. What do you, what would you look for in, in, in a facility um, for, you know, if you're looking to make sure that people don't screw this up because pe- people can screw this up very easily. If, if it's a facility, so two takes one first take is a private facility. What you're going to, aim to do is observe a class. So if we're working with, you know, uh, let's just say 10 to 18 year olds, that's the the window in which you're looking for, for yep. your kid to take on some, some workout or some training or some, some lifting classes, aim to observe and see if this is a, a fun experience. If I'm looking and I want you to think long-term it's yes, immediately they're going aiming to prevent injury and improve their sports performance. But bottom line, we want them to have and develop a healthy relationship with one, hard work, and two, fitness, lifting weights that will take, that will go beyond their high school or their college career and live with them for the rest of their life. That's number one. So see 
how this coach is interacting with them. Are they aiming to empower them, make them feel confident in that weight? Or are they just, hey, follow this, just do this. And there's not this healthy relationship with hard work being developed. Uh, we want the, them to avoid any coaches that are trying to MF them and just yell at them <laughs> and do this and that, which also want to avoid at the school level. And then yeah. ask, them, ask them what type of training they're going to do. What type of testing are they going to do? And those to use those two words as two different things very deliberately. If the private sector within this 10 to 18, right? If they're aiming to then say, all right, we're going to improve their one rep or we're going to test one rep maxis. That's a program you want to avoid or try to pull on that thread to ask them why. And if it's as simple as to get stronger, this and that, you want to avoid that. Again, one rep maxes are reserved for individuals that are well-trained. One rep max is as much a skill as it is to throw a curveball. Very specific. It takes a lot of reps, opportunities, and coaching to then execute a one rep max. And two, testosterone. If we're looking at that 10 to 18-year-old, their testosterone, their development is up, down, and round. <laughs> and our female athletes, let's not even get into it. Yeah. And it's not safe for them to execute one rep maxes. It's not accurate in respect to then, okay, we're going to do and test one rep maxes and then develop and write a program based off that one rep max. That athlete will leave a lot of strength gains and coordination development on the table because it won't be an accurately developed program versus, oh, we're going to lift sets of five. We're asking them the rep schemes. So if it's not one RMs, what are they going to do? Uh, we're going to strength train within sets of five, sets of eight, sets of 10. Sound, tried, true practice numbers. Um, attend the aim, asking them what they're going to do for their conditioning. I would recommend avoiding places that are leaning too heavily on the conditioning for this age group. Yeah. Let the sport take care of that. They're going to run fast. They're going to play hard and get into volleyball or basketball shape by playing volleyball and basketball. Yeah. However, if they are talking about speed development, these are good words, development <laughs> versus testing. Speed development is going to mean a lot of drills, a lot of skills, a lot of opportunity to not be fast until you are. And you're not going to find out your specific running technique and style as an individual until you're closer to your full grown maturity, which is going to be closer to that 18 year old. Until then, it's boring skips and patterning exercises and just go fast opportunities like playing tag or foot foot races and, and fun stuff like that. So look for fun, ask them what they're doing for testing, see what they're doing for their conditioning, try to shy away from more conditioning. Um, and then the have fun, develop that long-term relationship with hard work and fitness and health. For schools, if you're asking what the, the coach is doing, again, stick. I would lead off with the testing question. What are we doing for testing? How often are we testing? And if they say 1RM, just say, nah, you know, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny and Jessica, they're not going to do that. Okay. 
well, then they're, you know, and they'll, they'll try to peer pressure and say, oh, they'll, they're, they're not participating in the team. They're getting far behind. Hey, stop. Like maybe this is not the, the appropriate program that they want to contribute their athletic abilities to. So you're protecting your athlete long-term, avoiding one RMs. I've heard plenty of horror stories from, you know, you go home for Thanksgiving and you try to explain to your family what you're doing as a strength and conditioning coach. They're like, huh? Oh, this kid. Oh yeah. He did something like that. And then he got hurt and you just hear all these different <laughs> stories. Well, yeah. don't be one of those stories, set them up for success. Threes, fives, and up are healthy numbers for you to test within and fail. Your aim on lifting weights for this 10 to 18 is going to be challenge technique, not change technique. There's time where they need their technique will not be good. They need to develop the, the coordination. Well, that's on the good coach to provide them the opportunity and the, the descriptions, the, the coaching, the direction to put them in a position to shape what this perfect squat or deadlift will look like. It's not just reinforcing poor rounded back, the stuff that old people get hurt moving like. Yeah. Bottom line, to quote old track coach Charlie Francis, if it don't look right, it don't fly right. <laughs> so uh, I also would ask, and here's an interesting thing we ran into with the uh, middle school I was working with, how many coaches are in the weight room at once? Yeah. If we're compared and how many athletes are in the weight room at once, if we're looking at 50 to one ratio, you know, nobody's getting a good coach unless it's the star player that's lifting the most weight that the coach cannot, you know, highlight and pump up and, and, you know, count their chickens with <laughs> and neglect the 49 other kids in the training room. So find out about the testing. Um, see if they use keywords like development um, and put them in the, the best position and see, I'm not sure the rules locally, if you're able to observe said high school, like you would be able to in a private facility, but see if you can get in there. And then, man, we've yeah. through our block one <laughs> network, we've empowered a lot of parents to then take on the responsibility of training their kids. And then which led a few to take on the responsibility of training their kids teams, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So if you're a parent, don't be afraid to take performance into your own hands. If you're not living close to Adam here, then build out your garage gym and coach them up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they force your kids to listen to you. That's, that's how it works. Right. Adam, you just tell them <laughs> that, and they'll do yes. things. Right. And then you yell. Yeah. <laughs> if they yell, don't hear the first time. <laughs> Text is so funny. You know, I wrote down three things here. So, like the the testing one rep max. I can't tell you how how big of a thing that is around here, which I just don't understand. Oh, it's everywhere, dude. And it's well, and and then PE teachers are like connecting like grades to it. So if you came in what? with with a hundred and fifty pound back squat, we're gonna put you on this program. And if your back squat goes up to one eighty five, great, Johnny got an A. You know, but it, it's it's no. so I know, I know, I know. But that's that's how. PEs validate. Oh, you didn't. You didn't go up as much. You must not have been working as hard as you know Johnny over there. And it it it, my, it blows my mind. Is dropping. I, I don't know where all the one rep stuff came from. I, I don't know. They, is it just they? You fall to the margins of your experience. Yeah. What they did, and here's the other thing. A lot of the the high school coaches, at least, they apply. Say they played a college sport or they played high school yeah. ball. They take the strength program that they did, maybe to the T that they did, but even worse, 
what they remember doing way back when, <laughs> and then give it to their kids. They'll be fine. I did this. Yeah. Nah, no, you didn't. Or you were a college athlete. These are high schoolers. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. Or they're, you are a male athlete. These are female athletes. Yeah. It's different. So that's an unfortunate reality. Yeah. We have plenty of solutions at academy.powerathletehq <laughs> to Plugs. combat that with a sound training yeah. experience. Well, I think I think the conditioning piece is funny too because I, I I'm amazed yeah, how let's, we can stick with that. Well, yeah. and, and and it's funny how I I think sport coaches screw it up where you know they're they're coaching too many schools around here. I'm thinking specifically that our club does not do this at all. Um, you know, but to the conditioning test for high school volleyball for too many schools around here is a one mile run. Okay, one mile run, fast again, did a and let's let's be clear these you know six foot plus you know female and male athletes aren't necessarily built to, for long distance running. And then, you know, if they actually train for it, they're, you know, they're, their run form isn't necessarily spot on for, for that, you know, type of distance. They're not training. Like, oh my gosh, it just beats the tar out of them. Um, so when we have the conversation, you know, I need to get my cardio better. Yeah, go, go, go play more volleyball. No, 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 I, I need to do cardio. Yes, go, go, go play. No, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, should I go for a two mile run, three mile? No, don't please, please God, no, don't, don't, don't do any of that. Go, mm -hmm. go, go play volleyball, go play football, go, play, you know, go, go, go play soccer, whatever you do, go do that. And um, yeah, it's it's again, I think it's slowly getting better. Um, I I I see more, I don't know, sprint ish type whatever tests of things or you know some type of like fart lucky type thing. But um, yeah, I I think that that screws up parents because coaches are are thinking uh, sport coaches are thinking a completely different thing than what the the kids actually need on the the strength and conditioning piece oh yeah and i've battled conditioning a long time I had a, an article published in nsca coach that talked about this specific thing on how not to t use conditioning to take away from your game day performance and the big thing was asking the sport coach why i mentioned that with one rms don't be afraid to ask that question now why with the conditioning yep. and they will say, Oh, uh, camaraderie, mental toughness. <laughs> and you could be like, okay, well then if that's the purpose, if this is a, a team building or a mental toughness training and it's go out and run one mile, three miles and just drudge and pound the pavement that eventually takes away from the height you're able to jump and potentially leads to stress fractures mm -hmm. because you're, you're changing that surface and they're pounding that pavement. And then you got to make them jump 150 times and practice on a court. Okay. That changes things. So if your purpose is to develop mental toughness in an individual athlete or build camaraderie for your squad, your team, there's plenty of isometric holds holding a mm -hmm. pillar position or a side pillar or a Captain Morgan position. Mm -hmm. And Adam will link these, you, these yeah, videos absolutely. up in the, the show notes. Mm -hmm. Holding these positions, why I like this for an individual athlete is I'm able to find out the boiling point and the breaking point for that individual. Mm -hmm. At what time did they quit on themselves? It's just you and me. I'm your coach. You're yeah. the athlete. At what time? How long did it take for you to quit on yourself? And this, this is me turning on the coaching voice, guys. You're going to hear a change in tone. Um, and this, this is probably not for a high school athlete. This is me who's uh, leading a performance uh, like a captain, maybe high school captain and a collegiate athlete. 
Um, okay, well, you turned off at two minutes and 30 seconds, and then you quit on yourself. So on and so forth, we're building into that mental side. Mm -hmm. For the camaraderie, I usually don't say anything as a coach. And you know this, Adam, we put you through yeah. a little bit of this tester in our block mm -hmm. one. We held these pillar positions. And imagine Adam and, and 19 or so other coaches during this test. And I'm just counting the reps. It's 30 seconds or we're on rep five, knee up, toe up, blah, blah, blah. And then it starts to get silent. And the athletes begin to drop their head and disappear. And a whole group of, of teammates is quiet. And then people are dropping to their hips or they're stopping and looking around to make sure, you know, is the coaches back to me? <laughs> or, or you hear the person in the crowd, hey, let's go. Get up. Keep it up. We're doing great. Or, Adam, get your knees up. And, you know, your teammate is calling you out yeah. for – for poor positioning. And now our leaders are starting to emerge. So if I step up into a, a clinic or a team for the first time, we're doing isometric holds because one, a safe two, not going to take away from strength, power, and speed over most valuable commodities as field court sport athletes. And three, I find out very quickly who my leaders are in this group yeah. that I can lean on to then be that mental toughness to say, Hey, where are you? It's two minutes in, let's go. Yeah. And that way we begin to develop this camaraderie, individual mental toughness, but most importantly, like camaraderie has to view as positive, but most importantly, mutual accountability Yep. where I said, Adam, get your knee up. And I'm a teammate in that scenario. That's going to be starting to bridge the gap where if we're on the court together and say, Adam, I needed you or your assignment was supposed to be, like go behind me. I don't know volleyball vernacular, so <laughs> forgive me, but let's say, Hey, I needed you at number two. Like I'm one, you're two. I needed you on two. Where were you? I can communicate to you like that versus without you getting upset or frustrated with me because we've already yeah. established that it's okay to call each other out for poor posture, position and all that good stuff in training. It's allowed even more so when the competition is higher. So if conditioning is uh, pounding pavement and grinding and you say, yeah, we're doing that for mental toughness, I say, no, BS. Yeah. Here's, here's, we can do change of direction to make sure we're all touching the line. Mm -hmm. That's a simple thing and calling each other out. So on and so forth. It's short, it's fast and accomplishes our goal. Yeah. Then here's the, the other thing is like improve their endurance or their their conditioning level, like a sub, uh, just a simple term. I, I would change that vernacular to capacity. And this is something we use with our military folks on our hammer program, this term to get their mind right for what we aim to accomplish. A little bit different for a military athlete because they got to rock and run miles. Mm -hmm. But now for a field court sport athlete, capacity is, is think of, I'll describe, okay. <laughs> The boxing back, I'll use sports to, to make my points for me. Boxing. How long is a boxing round, Adam? It's a great question. I should know this. So, Three minutes, two minutes. So, yeah, two. So Oops. we're at two <laughs> minutes and think about now. Okay. It's you versus me. We're in, we're in a boxing match and how is a, a decision scored within that round? Who wins that round? Is it the number of punches thrown 
or the number of punches landed. Oh, you're waiting for me to answer. Um, yeah. Don't. I'd go with landed. Correct. Hey, hot dog. <laughs> so it's not how much work you're doing. Yeah. It's how accurate the work you're doing is. Now, how are these, if we're both boxing, how are those broken up? And think about combinations now. All right. So you're trying to hit me. I'm blocking. I'm, I'm, I'm dodging. I'm, you know, uh, moving my feet. I'm getting all around. And all of a sudden I see an opportunity and a window open. And now I decide, okay, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, hit my combination. And then what do I do? If we're lighter boxers and fighters, I'm going to get my butt away from you. I'm going to dance around in this open space. Looking for what? Waiting for what? Looking for another opportunity. Waiting for my elevated max heart rate to come back down so then I can re-engage and then apply another combination. One, yeah. two, one, two, three, four, five. And then go back and dance and just wait. If we're heavyweights, one, two, one, two, three. And then instead of dancing around, what do we do? We hug each other <laughs> until the ref breaks us up. But essentially, we are recovering. Yeah. We're resting. We're bringing our heart rate back down until we're able to execute at maximal velocity. I'm not talking top-end speed for testing. I'm talking maximal velocity with as much energy and stress of competition that we can execute. So the aim now, imagine... I got 10 combinations within there. The rest of the time I was either protecting myself or dancing around, mm -hmm. but our conditioning is modeled in the sense of sport where it's different bouts of combination and then decreasing my, my heart rate or getting it back to normal for me to then accurately move again. Okay. If my conditioning is designed in that style, which I know you're doing, then I create more opportunities for me within yeah. my two minute round to be more accurate. And now instead of 10 opportunities, I've created 13 because I'm able to decrease the time it takes for me to recover before I got to go maximal velocity again. If we look at the sport of lacrosse, yes, in a game, I may run a total of five plus miles, but you will never find me or my athletes running five miles in a row. We're going to accumulate that, but then decrease the rest that is representative of the conditioning demands of my position. So this is decreasing the recovery time between maximal velocity efforts is the purpose of conditioning. Yeah. Building camaraderie and mental toughness is the purpose of conditioning. Now, what does that look like? 20 minutes of cyclical round sagittal plane movements. Hell no. It's mm. multi-plane movements. It's posture, position, speed, and then timing our recovery in there, um, you know, work to rest ratios, all the old school strength and conditioning approaches that seem to have gotten lost for this cyclical monotonous movement that makes you slower and takes away from your coordination. Yeah. 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 And at yeah. the end of the day, I don't think conditioning is that hard. And I, I come from a track cross country background. Like it's, I mean, at that point you get a little bit more like, cause that, that's obviously the sport is, you know, is, is running, but man, it's not for, for non-track and cross country athletes. It's, it's really not that, that challenging. And, and, and yeah. I think people make it, make it more than what it is. And, and they get way too excited 
you know, if a kid pukes in their helmet and, and stuff like that, like that's the goal. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> and I mean, the athletes the same way. No. We still talk to professional athletes on power athlete radio and they pride themselves in, yeah, I went to this coach. He'd make me puke all the time. And John and I are looking at each other like that coach, ah, he's fired. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Stop going to him, please. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're the best in the world. So are they just succeeding despite of practices and training in which we would aim to avoid at all costs? Yeah, probably. Now just imagine though, what they're holding back on the table with a simple approach. And I mean, you're, when you're listening to power athlete radio, you're, you're getting our, our perspective on this as a division three all-star and then a 10 year NFL veteran. So he wasn't the God's gift to football, John. He had to work and bust his tail to maintain and fight throughout that. And that's where the, the whole power athlete methodology comes into play is a training system and approach for the people that are not as gifted and blessed with their athletic ability or the ones that are blessed, put them in the best position to unlock all of this potential in which they hold. Yeah. So it's, but if your kid is able to run through their high school career, injury-free, and walk out of there with a love and a passion for their sport remaining. Yeah. And hell, they're not, they're not afraid and opposed to going to the gym and, and having a healthy life. Awesome. Yeah. You did your job as a parent, your coaches did their job, and this individual can, can hand off these skills, hopefully to, to future individuals as coaches or parents who love movement, fitness, sport, because I mean, those are the greatest gifts that I ever had. And I yeah. aim to empower the coaches, the parents and the athletes that I communicate with that so many doors can open up. If you learn that hard work, trust yourself and, and push yourself through stress competition to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and text the last thing I have written down here after the you know, what, what you look at, you know, as a parent and with the kids, you, know, you, you mentioned fun a couple times over. And I, I just think it's funny. My, my kids have done jujitsu for a while now, just be literally because there's a jujitsu gym on the other side of this wall. Um, so convenience was, was a huge thing. And then, you know, just to mix it up and whatnot, um, you know, we got local, you know, wrestling club got going and, you know, post COVID here and, and, and we got them going. And so th there's a lot of overlap between jujitsu and uh, wrestling, but there's, there's some very stark differences too. And so, um, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, it, wrestling, you never want to be on your back at all. Jiu-Jitsu, It's cool to be on your back. You can submit people off your back, you know, that piece. So my, my oldest, my nine-year-old is, is very comfortable on his back and he, he's good at, you know, triangling people and some arm bars out of there and, and, and does a really nice job. Um, that crushes him in wrestling though. So it's, um, it, mm. it's funny as, as we started to get into wrestling here, um, and, and we, we hit the first few practices and, and whatnot, you know, talk to him after, after practice. Hey buddy, how was, how was practice? What'd you, you know, how'd it go? He's like, I caught three touchdowns. I'm like, wait, wait, what? He's like, no, I, I caught three touchdowns. No, buddy, you went to wrestling practice. What? No, we we played a game at the end. It's like this this flag football type thing. You catch the ball, you take three steps, you throw it. Down. I caught three touchdowns. Oh, like, right. He he cares nothing about the actual wrestling piece of it, but but had the fun to to keep him wanting going back for more because the next time they played dodgeball and then they rotate again. And it, I, I think that's the thing that you know is I know it's hard for me. I struggle with fun. I I'm not a whole lot of fun. <laughs> I'm I'm old and I hate fun. And I just I love doing the stuff that works. And and sometimes I forget. 
forget, you know, that, you know, this this has to be enjoyable for kids. If it's it will <laughs> heck our adult population too. If it's not enjoyable, they're not going to do it. They're not going to want to nope. do it. Um, so I, I think what coaches can do. I, I love that point that you made. Sorry, just to to go off on that. But that's I don't care if you're nine year old years old, eighteen years old, or, or forty eight years old. It seems fun's a thing. Well, the the to note on that, and this this took years of as a professional and and going from the performance realm. So a collegiate strength and conditioning coach and saying, Hey, these kids are, they're forced to be here. They're invested, blah, blah, blah. Like, awesome. They're going to work hard. Nope. (laughs) They don't care at all. So it's that, it's that final touch point. If at the end we finish, let's say I'm working with some young men. If we finish with biceps, you're only allowed to be lifting biceps in front of a mirror. Let's go. You got five minutes. Here's three curl variations. Crush it. They don't give a gosh darn about sprints, lunges, any of that stuff and how excited I get about that stuff. They don't care. Yeah. I'm going to finish with the aesthetics and what they are jazzed up in. Just like your son's playing the, some, some fun ultimate Frisbee style football yeah. within there. And that's the last thing that he remembers. He's going to go there feeling good. And then yeah. the next time, Hell, 50 minutes of stuff that maybe he can more or less just not care or be able to articulate back to you yeah. yet, but then that that final touch point. So it's it's not about when you're working with a client, it's not about getting them to see it and see the value that you get from this. It's finding out what are they training for? All right, what what are your goals? What's lined up? What do you enjoy yeah. about movement? And then rather than trying to pull them towards your perspective, see if you can then take your education, your experience, and then aim to get them invested through their eyes and learn to expand. Hey, life is movement. How you move is how you live. How you live is how you move. So if it hurts for you to get up out of bed, well, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long week. It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long lifetime. But if we're able to begin to enjoy movement, looking forward to the gym. Oh, hey, how about this fun run, this Tough Mudder or this powerlifting competition that's coming up? And you start to see these different goals expand once they invest and have a love for movement, they look for more challenges that may be remaining within your gym walls or going next door to jujitsu as a 30-year-old person (laughs) or you know, anything and everything, but it should be connected to movement, but it's not about the talking about motor unit recruitment and, you know, why toes forward and talk about the stretch shortening cycle of the hamstring and posterior chain dominance and all this Mm -hmm. jiggy stuff that we enjoy speaking to. Yeah, It's all right. Yeah. I'm still going to set them up toes forward. Uh, But then I'm going to always my last touch point of the day. It's going to be something fun Mm -hmm. that is connected to their goals or builds confidence in their abilities, like flipping tires or doing something they never thought they'd be able to do, but then walk away saying, I'm strong. I'm awesome. Yeah. And take it into the rest of their life. 
Yeah. It's funny. This is some of the best compliments that we've gotten, which is so odd to me because I'm such a numbers guy and, you know, look at, at the performance. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we have the, the, the Sparta science piece. And so all the, we have all this data of stuff that we're rolling with, but we, we have parents that come up to us and, and thank us. And like, oh, you know, Tori's done a great job. I can't tell you how, how much confidence she's gotten. I'm like, yeah. what about her, her, her back squat, her deadlift, her Sparta score, her you know, confidence? That's what we're talking about here. But, you know, I, I, I think that's – it's funny how huge of a, a point that is. And, you know, you gain that confidence from, you know, again, doing the hard stuff and really everything that you just said in the last, you know, hour plus here. So um, I, I, <laughs> I just think that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the yeah. confidence compliment. That's not what I was going for. But, you know, and, and maybe that's a bigger deal than what – I guess what I think it is. It obviously is if that's what parents are, are thinking on well, that part. Take take note because there's a future parent that's coming in and then you now have these appeals to them that where you could show that the one parent that may be interested in injury prevention, the, the, the data, and then the other parent is, yeah, but what about this? Okay, well, here's a direct testimony, the confidence, the posture, they are able to stand up taller Yeah, where so on and so forth. So it be, now becomes appeal that you can strengthen your repertoire as a communicator to then get more people involved in the, the community initiatives that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Tex, I really appreciate your time that we, went, oh, yeah. we went longer than I was, I was thinking on this. Tell people if they want to want to find more uh, about you, power athlete, the podcast, the whole shebang, give, give them the, give them everything. The, the podcast is a great re- resource. We aim to find the best researchers, the best coaches in the world, but then talk to them like we're best friends. <laughs> so it's, it's infotainment, as we would argue. And <laughs> That's well said. Keeping it, yeah, keeping it, just keeping it fun, yeah. keeping it light versus mm-hmm. too nerdy, and find out who these people are as motivators, leaders, and the best in the world at what they do. Uh, Instagram at Power Athlete HQ. You'll find some entertainment videos as well. Yes. As long as training, advice, guidance, clips from that podcast. And then as an individual, my Instagram is my last name at McQuilkin, M C Q U I L K I N. There you'll find some weightlifting videos or capturing clips of that middle school lacrosse team to say, hey, this is the drill. Here's the purpose and break that all down which a lot of the things we talk about, hey, we're, I'm having the kids count the, the exercises versus me leading it as a coach because I want them to find comfort in their voice and be super awkward <laughs> when their voice is up, down, and around. Get used to it, kid. So force these guys into these situations of growth and then aim to capture it to then educate uh, a future masses, parents, coaches, all that good stuff, or just break down fun movement or show cool stuff that we're getting into here in the hill country of texas there you go awesome very good tex again i, re- I really appreciate your time thanks for thanks oh, for yeah, jumping yeah, on excellent yeah, man. thank you awesome guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to another episode of oak performance radio again check us out on the social at oak performance and online at www.oakstrength.com backslash oak performance again thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one